Transfiguration Sunday and invite the Spirit to guide our sight to see the life of Christ in our midst. And that's exactly what I've had the privilege of doing this weekend as I've journeyed through 30-hour famine um, with our youth group who are all up here gladly wearing matching red t-shirts. They're all very happy about wearing matching shirts. Um, But we had a great weekend together and we got to learn, we got to serve, and I think they grew a lot. We talked about people that live in poverty, both those that have a home and those that do not. We went to serve somewhere, and so I want to invite Jack Dingler to come up, and he's going to share about the work we did at Community Enabler. Hold on one second, Jack. Try again. Oh. We went to Community Enabler and met Mrs. Maldine. She was so sweet to us, and she went to Glad. She was so glad we came to sort in their food pantry. Aldine Holloway has faithfully served this community for over 54 years, and she does it with great love. It meant a lot to us that we got to serve and make a difference in our community. Thank you, Jack. Yes, we, we went to Community Enabler, and Maddie Kemp is coming up to talk about some of what we learned, because we talked at these students a lot this weekend. They got to hear from me, Pastor Kyle, and Gene Smith, and... Caroline taught too. We did a lot. So can you speak to what we learned? We learned both about homelessness and working families living living in poverty. Families often go into debt, despise their best efforts. People, thank you. People take bad loans and take big risks for their families that don't always pay off. It costs a lot of money to be poor. Thank you, Maddie. Yes, so they learned that there are a lot of things that keep people poor. It, it can be as simple as having fees rack up because you don't have money in the bank. It can be the credit card debt you racked up because you were trying to keep your home. They learned a lot about how people just going through life and trying to make it in the difficult world we live in, they learned that people face huge challenges and that some of the people that they go to school with face huge challenges. And they may not even know. So we journeyed together through not eating and learning, and then we had communion together to focus on how God's abundance can be present with us. And so I want to share our scripture today, which is out of 2 Corinthians. Matt actually referenced this passage just a moment ago from 2 Corinthians, the third chapter, listen for the word of God. So since we have such hope, We act with great confidence. We aren't like Moses who used to put a veil over his face so that the Israelites could not watch the end of what was fading away. But their minds were closed. Right up to the present day, the same veil remains when the Old Covenant is read. The veil is not removed because it is taken away by Christ. Even today, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But wherever someone turns back to the Lord... The veil is removed. The Lord is the Spirit, and where the Lord's Spirit is, there is freedom. All of us are looking with unveiled faces at the glory of the Lord as if we were looking in a mirror. We are being transformed into that same image from one degree of glory to the next degree of glory. This comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. This is why we do not get discouraged given that we received this ministry in the same way that we received God's mercy. 
Instead, we reject secrecy and shameful actions. We don't use deception, and we don't tamper with God's Word. Instead, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God by the public announcement of the truth. This is the Word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. I hope that uh, you will get to know some of the students through their new friendships with the whole uh, body of our church. They got to meet so many people, and so I hope you'll find somebody in a red shirt and say, what did you learn this weekend about people who live in poverty? Because I think there's a lot that I can say up here to preach, but um, a lot of what uh, the growth was this weekend is going to come from them. So I hope you'll get to know them. I want to begin our sermon time with a question. Are you someone who is good, or are you particularly bad, like me, at hiding your emotions? I know I'm one that I'm kind of an open book. My face will flush red if I get angry, and I'll throw my brow, and um, I'm not angry, I'm not upset, I'm just being quiet, not talking to anybody, standing in the corner. And um, so sometimes we get uh, put in these situations where you're supposed to look one way because of something and you just can't bring yourself to do it. And one of those instances for me, um, I learned about this when my aunt gave me a birthday gift when I was about 12 or 13 years old, which is right around the age where you're just too cool for everything. And so my aunt brought me this... uh, Really cool, she thought, Batman watch. And I heard a few people laugh. It's not, it was not very cool. And my face indicated that. Um, She handed me that watch, and then I had that face wash over me like my mom's about to wring my neck because I just was so disrespectful over it. And um, I did get in a ton of trouble. I looked so. Um, rude and disrespectful to this gift that my aunt had gone and gotten. She didn't go get some gift card, and um, my reaction was totally inappropriate, if justified. I'm not going to wear a Batman watch. No, this is not my Batman watch. Um, But I think that we get certain gifts, and um, we have to learn how to receive them well in life. And I think that one of the gifts that's the most complicated in our life is this call to ministry that Christ gives us. We get this gift not only of God's grace and God's mercy, but God calls us to join in the work that saved us. And that is not only a gift, but it is a challenge. It's complicated. I I think there are a lot of us, like Jonah, who when we're called to ministry, want to run to the ends of the earth to avoid doing something new or something outside of our comfort zone. But this is exactly what Paul is getting at when he tries to keep our spirits up. He declares that we should stay encouraged because this is a gift. Our ministry is a gift to us. Now, there's a difference in significance to different household chores. I would say that it is not a gift to be asked to dust. Um, I don't like to dust the house. I, I would... Um, be honest with you by saying that picking up sticks in the yard was one I hated doing when I was a kid. And there are all these things that we have to do. Emptying the dishwasher, not a gift. Um, but there, there are certain things that we receive in our family life that I would say are 
things we should cherish, gifts from our family and our community. And that would be the gift of hospitality. Whenever, instead of being asked to go and uh, clean up your room, if instead you were given the opportunity to help prepare a meal for Thanksgiving. I don't know if you remember the responsibility you felt you had the first time you got invited into that kind of thing, but you wind up kind of standing a little taller. It's a gift to be asked to host others. And this is what Paul is getting at. Just as we deserve anything but God's forgiving grace, but we receive it anyway, God should know better than to use us. God should know better than to rely on us. Ordinary, fallen, forgetful, busy, and even conflicted people. Especially when we struggle. We struggle so much to find motivation. We fail to look ahead and hope. We fail to reconcile with others in our community and even more. In the midst of all of that, God says, you're the people I want. You're the ones to tell my story. You're the ones that I think can carry this message. A message of hope. And it takes a posture of openness to live this way. To, to expect that things will happen. New things will happen in God. And it takes this commitment to whatever it takes. Not only to getting people in a building, not to maintaining a budget, but to really and truly bring new people to the life-changing grace of Jesus Christ. That's an opportunity. It's one thing to do committee work, and that's so important. But the call we have from God is to change people's hearts, to change people's lives, to learn about our community, to find new sources of hope and share them widely. I have one story that I'd like to share about one of my um, favorite pastors to hear y'all speak about, um, one of the most beloved former senior pastors of this church, Woodfin Grove, uh, was kind of famous for being cool and being with it. And so he had a cool sports car. He, had, um, he was just a cool guy from what I hear, um, very much unlike myself. And so he was this cool guy and um, he was with it, and he was ahead of his time in many ways. And one of them was in the way that he emphasized the importance of youth ministry. Woodfin Grove was one of the first pastors, before it was ever popular to have full-time staff doing this work, he would take trips with students from his community. He would load up buses full of kids, and they would go down to the beach in South Alabama or in Florida, and he'd be gone all of these different times of the year, whenever it was best for the kids, you know, and it was going great, and it was helping the church kind of feel vibrant, he thought, and then he did the thing that every pastor uh, can run into some trouble doing. He, he planned a meeting, and so he called this meeting and went in. It was an administrative board meeting, and before they got to the first thing on the agenda, one of his members sat up and said, Woodfin, I have something I'd like to say before we get started here. I like that you're going on these trips and doing all this nice stuff with those kids, but we really need you here, Woodfin. We need you here doing your job. We don't need you out there wasting your time 
with young people at the beach. Especially in the middle of the week. There's stuff to do here. You all know, looking out, you're all a part of the life of this church. There are so many people that know how much it takes to keep things going. And they're right. But what Woodfin said back was, okay, I hear you, I understand you, but my question is, have any one of you changed the way you live your life because of something I said on a Sunday morning? Have you really changed the way you structure your family's life? Have you done anything differently? Woodfin said, that's why I go on these trips with those young people. Because they want to grow. They want to be impacted. They're open to finding a new perspective. They're okay with the idea that they don't have all the answers. I go on those trips because it makes a difference. I think that we need more of that awareness. This Sunday, we put the Christ candle in the midst of our sanctuary because I hope this Transfiguration Sunday we can all find a way to make Christ the center of our lives. And thank God for people like Woodfin who know their calling. In the spirit of Paul, I want to challenge you to search your hearts. Have you grown discouraged? Have you found yourself in a slump? Are you waiting for directions? Or what's more, are you hoping others will serve in your place? Have you done anything new or outside your comfort zone recently? Is there anything new that you've turned down because it just doesn't sound like it's yours to do? But you kind of have that, that feeling like you might should have done something more. Paul says that we've been called by God. Called by God to serve a hurting world, a world now fearful of military occupation and of war. So I encourage you to be like Woodfin. Expect God to show up. It's one of the first and most important steps of our faith journey is to expect God to be at work. It's easy for us to stop doing that. And I encourage you, Expect God to do new things really and truly. I hope for each one of you, you're able to do something in the life of this church that enlivens the faith of another person. Join the people who want to change. Join the people who want God to help them grow. People who might be quiet, might be difficult, people who might have questions, concerns, people who might be shy or slow, rich or poor. God can use you to do amazing things. And life is too short and too precious to stand aside and wait for other people to enact God's mercy and love. This is our call. For the homebound, there's a sincere longing for connection. For the busy, there's a need for sincerity and peace. Children need to know that they are loved. And teenagers need to know they're not alone. Who can you serve? Who can you find a way to 
make a difference in their life? What can you do that it will change the way you live out your faith in this church? We often wish that we'd encounter God as a booming voice in the clouds, but instead we find a still small voice. We encounter the transforming love of God through ordinary acts of grace, often a grace shown by strangers. Ordinary acts of love, they transform our lives. They change how we see the world around us. We're transformed as we serve, and it's all an act of God's grace. So wherever you find yourself skeptical, concerned, or even apathetic, I invite you to pray about the life of this church and how you can impact the next season that we're going to go through. How can you do something new to encounter God in a new way? Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, You've given us this gift. Though we face many challenges, though there's much work to do, and we have so many distractions, Still our hearts, God, that we might put You in the center of our lives. Help us to be more like Your Son, Jesus Christ, who showed us how to live lives that are whole and holy. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.